and that's the thing is like you figure it out I think that's the thing I've learned I, I wanted all these plans I wanted this map I wanted some Facebook group that existed that could tell me how to be a feminist entrepreneur social media manager mom you know I wanted I wanted that to exist and the thing I had to remember is that people have been having children for eons and they've all figured it out they've come before me and I'm good at problem solving and I will just figure it out we believe that not just babies are born mothers are born too we're your hosts, Lara, a labor and delivery nurse and aspiring midwife, and Melissa, a mother and doula. Welcome to Motherbirth, a space for thought-provoking and inspirational conversations about birth and the deep exploration of what it means to become a mother. Hey everybody, it's Lara and Melissa here for Motherbirth, and today we're really excited because we're in the studio together in Portland recording, and also our guest is here with us, which is always our favorite. Uh, on the show today, we have a friend of mine, Lindsay Strannigan. Uh, Lindsay works here in Portland and also has a little girl, and today she's going to share about her journey to becoming a mom, and then what it was like after having her daughter, and um, work, continuing to work and have her own business. So, Lindsay, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and your story, and and then we'll kind of get more into what life looks like today. Yeah. Hi, I'm Lindsay, and um, I'm a mom. I have a little two-and-a-half-year-old girl named Margot, and she is she's a force. She's a wildebeest, <laughs> from what I can tell. <laughs> yes. She's a wild child with a ton of blonde hair that is just in everything mm-hmm. at all points. Yeah. We got bangs. It's helping. (laughs) And I run my own social media management company and I do freelance event planning as well. And it's pretty, I'm mostly in the food and beverage world, which is fun. I get a, someone asked me recently if I get paid to eat. And while it is not entirely true, it's, it's a little bit true. It's pretty pretty fun. I get to eat a lot of fun things for my job. Yeah. Yeah. That does sound amazing. It's not bad. Yeah. So I know that a little bit of your story is what Laura has kind of termed this idea of like reluctant motherhood. And I'd love for you to share a little bit with us about that part of your story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So for whatever reason, growing up, I just, the idea of having children never appealed to me. I just, I was always fiercely independent. I, I wanted to work when mm-hmm. I was in high school. I knew I wanted to move to Los Angeles and I wanted to work in music and I just, I was out there. I wanted to go conquer the world and my mom was a stay-at-home mom and she homeschooled us. And so I think the idea of of someone raising kids and being able to do those things, I just didn't know what that looked like or Mm. that that was possible. Mm -hmm. And so it, yeah, I just didn't, I didn't think about it. I got married a little bit late. I mean, not super late, but I got married at 27. And so I think that like, I just hadn't for so long, I had been single. And before my husband, I don't think I dated anyone in four years, I just worked a lot. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I think I had some fears as well. But like I said, it just I didn't know how to be myself and how to have children and how to work and how to, you know, I just, I wanted to kick ass and I wanted to have a career and I'm a feminist. And so it just, I did not know how to reconcile those things. Mm -hmm. And I didn't really have to think about it a whole lot until I got married to someone who wanted to have kids. Mm -hmm. And is that something you guys talked about in your relationship? Yeah. And did you ever say like, I don't know if this is what I want. Or do you think you kind of, as you grew in that relationship, realized like, oh, I do kind of want this with you. Um, I mean, I was open to the idea of adoption Mm -hmm. and 
I wanted a family. I just didn't know. At this point, I had sort of changed my mind and thought, okay, a family is, that sounds like a nice idea. I loved having siblings. And, you know, I wasn't, I was never anti having children. Mm -hmm. I just, like I said, it wasn't like this passion, this dying, burning thing inside of me. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we'd gone back and forth and we made a deal when we got married that we wouldn't even talk about having kids for three years. And we just wanted to enjoy being married. And so it was a really nice like it was nice that we made that deal yeah. and it was so great to just have some freedom and have some time being us. And, and you stuck to that? Yeah, we did. Mm-hmm. And three years came and went and I can't remember. <laughs> I mean, if you want to know the truth, it was, we went to a basketball game when we're big Blazers fans and it was like, it was a date night and we had taken the Typical map, aphrodisiac. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we had taken the Mac so we could, you know, have a couple drinks and have fun. And so for whatever, it was this great game. It was like a buzzer beater. We were playing the Miami Heat. It was when LeBron James was on the Heat. So it was like this, it was a big deal. Yeah. And we won at this like crazy Hail Mary, you know, it was, it was a great game. And it, there's like all these endorphins coming. And on the way home, I was basically, I was like, you know what? Screw it. I'll have your baby. And I just, it just like came out of me. <laughs> we beat and, LeBron. I'll have your baby. Yeah. <laughs> and my husband just looked at me like, what? And, and he kind of just, he, he's like, like tonight you'll have my baby. <laughs> I just was like, in that moment, I was feeling really happy and I was like, I love him. And I had been thinking about it. I just hadn't said anything. I was like, you know what? Oh, this relationship is great. Like, if I'm going to have kids, like, this is the person I want to have kids with. And, you know, I just, it decided, it seemed like the right thing. And he totally didn't believe me. He was like, the next morning we woke up and he was like, did you mean the thing that you said last night? Like, he just thought it was this, like, I was high on life and the Blazers win. And and I was like, no, I really, I really meant it. And he actually sort of had a freak out because he's like, in all the time I've known you, you've never said this. And then you just said it. And now, and then he sort of had to like, think about like, yeah. wait, am I ready to do this? Mm-hmm. So yeah, it was it was very funny. I what I like to tell people is like, you know, the Blazers brought about our baby. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like they did. <laughs> yeah. And so we we definitely we eased into it. We had a lot of conversations. We never really did the whole trying thing. We just went if we were gonna do it, we went to Europe. We like to so we removed the goalie and went to Europe and then we got pregnant seven months later. Hmm. Yeah, so it took a little bit of time, which was honestly kind of nice. By the time I got pregnant, I feel like I was ready and I wanted it. Like it had been enough times of not being pregnant that I was like, oh, it made me realize like this is something that I do, that I do want. Right. Yeah. And and kind of created this season of building anticipation and all of that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And and I, it's funny. So you guys interviewed my sister a while ago. And so that mm-hmm. was going back to sort of the reluctant motherhood thing. Um, you know, I, sometimes I feel bad talking about it because some people want to be mothers so bad, right, and aren't able to. And so I had a lot of guilt. Actually, one of my best friends was struggling with some infertility issues. And during this time, and we were talking together a lot. And so when I did get pregnant, and the guilt that I felt because it's sort of like she wants this thing so bad. And it's like sort of been this afterthought in my life. And it felt really unfair. Not that it wasn't. I was serious about it. And I did want a baby and I wanted a family. And we 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 talked about it and thought about it and prayed about it and it wasn't a flippant decision but still it just felt 
you know, life isn't fair. And it really proved that to me. And thankfully, my friend and I, we were able to, you know, to talk through that. And she eventually, it took a couple years, but she has a cute little baby now. And mm-hmm. so, you know, it worked out. But it's one of those weird things where, yeah, I don't want to sound like it was a flippant decision or something I didn't want. It just, like I said, for most of my life, I had some fears about how to do it and how to navigate it. And like I said, going back to my sister, mm-hmm. you know, my sister had a really traumatic pregnancy and almost died and so when you walk someone through that it's like any fears I had about motherhood already then just were sort of taken to the next level in fact another one of my close friends had a NICU baby in a really complicated pregnancy and was in and out of the hospital and so when I'd walk two people through that and I just Mm -hmm. thought oh my gosh I don't know if this is for me yeah I think that there is a lot of you know people who can relate to that the way you made the decision to become a mom too I think that you know these are all assumptions, obviously, but, you know, most people that I talked to about having kids, it was like, well, we had already talked about it. And we knew we wanted three kids and we knew we wanted to wait this many years and we knew we wanted to do that. And that's very common to have that kind of plan. But I think there's a lot of people who had your kind of plan, which was like, I'm open to having kids. That's something you really want. But like, I'm not ready. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so it's not necessary. I think that, you know, there are people who just don't want kids. And I think that that is also a plan and and. I think that's something that women should feel the right to have. So I think that that is such an interesting part of our culture is like as much as we have progressed in some ways, there's still this expectation of like, well, you know, when are you going to have kids? I mean, I, you know, I I was married and I feel like every for whatever reason, like every year there was a time when people are like, so like, when are you guys going to have kids? And it was always just like, when we want to. (laughs) Right. None of your business. (laughs) And it just became this like mantra of like, that's a really easy way to get someone to stop asking you. (laughs) You just give like a. Uh, whatever we feel like it. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, it, until it becomes the part, like you said, I mean, in the way you tell it, it sounds like it's a bit like an evolution of your relationship. Yeah. Like, okay. you know, after this amount of time and in that space, you finally were like, oh, I think this is something we should do together. And I think, like, I, I appreciate you sharing that just because I think sometimes you can feel alone in that if all of your friends are like trying, like you said, or planning, like they right. all have this like five year plan and you're like, I don't know, like, we'll just kind of see what happens. And I think you can fe- you can be legitimately just judged or feel judged by that because people are like, well, what does that mean? Or, right. you know. I think that in America, the expectation is that you get married and you have kids. That's the thing that people expect you to do. Mm-hmm. And if you don't do that, you're somehow odd or you don't fit into this, you know, ideal that we've set out for what the American family looks like. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, certain things like people still don't get, you know, I didn't take my husband's last name and I actually had someone say to me, you know, wait, like you can, you can, you can do that. Yes, of course I can do that. (laughs) And I can still love him and be married to him and have a different name. Yeah. Does not mean I'm like, like have my like exit plan all, all (laughs) marked out? Like that's not what that means. Yeah. 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 I'm surprised by that too. Just like, you know, I mean, especially working in the hospital, like you, kind of ask all those questions and are involved with people in that way. And it's like, people are like, oh, or, you know, and, you know, when you have a baby, and a lot of people don't know this, but like the baby is like legally the mother's. So if the mother's last name is different than the father's last name, then the baby has the, that last name until you change, until you say you want it to be something different. Mm. And there's a lot of conflict. Cause oh, people, interesting. If, yeah. So like in the hospital, you know, it'd be like baby girl, Shanigan, not baby girl, you the elder. So it's like an interesting part of like that people don't maybe understand, like know that it's like, well, that's a piece. And, you know, again, we live in Portland where lots of people make that decision. Yeah. So it's just kind of that part of that 
I don't, it's not, and I think people also identify that as like, oh, you must be like really feminist or really independent, which you may be both of those things. But I also just think like, you also just can do that. Right. I just like my name. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's all. (laughs) Totally. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, and it's true with, with having kids too. I mean, one of the things that we talk a lot about on the show is just how much of an identity transformation having kids is. And I think that some people are completely unaware of that and some people are very aware of that and they realize like how much of a shift this is going to be. And I think there can be a lot of apprehension around, you know, what, what parts of yourself kind of get left in the dust when you, when you undergo that transformation and, and become such a different person with such different, you know, I mean, just how you, how your time is used and how, you know, the, the needs that you have to put before your own right. on every level, it's like it's like being a different person. It really is. Yeah. And I was really selfish for a long time. And I think that's okay. I knew that. And that's yeah. part of the reason why I wasn't ready to have kids. I, I like going where I want to go when I want to go there. And I didn't know what that would look like. And frankly, I think I just didn't know how to be me and, mm-hmm. and be a mom. And I had done things my I've been so fiercely independent for so long and that's just part of who I am and so figuring out wrapping my brain around what that looks like listen my mom was a stay-at-home mom I knew that that wasn't that wasn't going to make me and so I just felt like there wasn't a map for this new kind of motherhood I know a lot of people do it Mm -hmm. I just you know most of my best friends once they had kids they were stay-at-home moms their husbands worked they were much more like this classic American family which is totally great that just wasn't going to be my life for many reasons like Mm -hmm. me and my husband we both have to work that's just our reality Mm -hmm. and so and it sounds like you also love what you do I do and and you find it stimulating and enjoyable and yeah you wanted to be able to keep that part of yourself activated yeah exactly and so in motherhood has been so so interesting and it's been so much better than I ever thought it could be I'm like one of those people that was really hesitant and then I had a kid and my whole world changed in in the best possible way Mm -hmm. and I feel like I'm still me but I'm like a better version of me you know open my heart up in ways that I didn't think it's like I'm still passionate about the same things and I think I'm still really great at my job and great at what I do but it like opened up this part of myself you know like I've experienced love like I'd, I've never experienced before. It was mm-hmm. like this whole new thing, and it makes you see the world through totally different eyes. And so, yeah, it's pretty exciting to be in this place because it was such an unknown, and I didn't know what that was going to look like, and I didn't know if I could do it and if I would drop all the ball, you know, and if my business would fail, all these things. And, you know, I'm two and a half years in now, and, and things are going really well. It's hard. Don't get me wrong. It's <laughs> yeah. insanely hard, but it's really good. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I think we left off with you guys getting pregnant. So you, if you want to share a little bit about what it was like to give birth to her and then that early transition, I'd love to hear because I know personally you kept working. So that is something that a lot of women do. And yeah, so I, I it's funny for all my fears about everything birth related. I was terrible. I was I was really afraid of pregnancy and that I would feel like, you know, a whale the whole time. And I was lucky I had a really easy pregnancy. I did not barf, not even once. Mm. So, I mean, no pregnancy is easy, but it was it was pretty mm-hmm. mellow. And I gave birth at uh, Providence Hospital. And it's funny, I my water broke in the middle of the night when I was sleeping. 
and it was my husband and I had gone out for a date. We went to a steakhouse, and I got I had steak and a glass of red wine because my due date was like the next day. And I was like, I'm I'm doing it. I'm gonna get this band. I went home and had a slice of chocolate cake. It was amazing. It was like all the best things. And I was like, let's, let's coax this baby out with delicious food. And yeah, then went to sleep. My water broke in the middle of the night. It was totally. So not that's, that's the plan. We're just going to prescribe that for yeah. people. Right, yeah. Steak, red it wine, works. chocolate cake. Mm-hmm. It, it works wonders, at least it did for me. <laughs> um, and it was dramatic. The whole water breaking thing, I was so not prepared for that because in my head it was like, you know, contractions would start and I would labor at home forever long. And But then when your water breaks, I want you to come to the hospital and hadn't really like thought through that very much. So mm-hmm. contractions didn't start. So I dawdled as much as I could I remember ate Burger Bell at some point like it really like nothing nothing happened I watched the Sex and City marathon you know they tell you they're like go back to bed I'm like I know I'm having a baby like I'm not I can't go back to bed so we went to the hospital like 10 the next morning same thing like just nothing was happening and anyways fast forward and they ended up giving me a cervical softener at some point there's a lot of dancing back and forth with let's get this thing going and me saying I, I can do I walked every stair in the mm. hospital I dance I was dancing to Miley Cyrus I'll never forget it was uh it's my party I can do what I want to and I'm just like dancing around the room like so pregnant just being like this is my party do what I want to. that song is like forever ingrained in my brain yeah and it is your child also. <laughs> yes it's like very much her uh she just took that as her mantra um it's your fault using that yeah, I know. <laughs> Uh, she's, you know, the, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. <laughs> and um, then they ended up giving me a little bit of Pitocin. And holy smokes, that is that's the real deal. And I think she was born like three hours later. Oh, wow. It was all in all from the time my water broke to the time she was born was 30 hours. Mm-hmm. And But I would say like active labor, maybe... 10 of those hours so mm-hmm. I mean like I said it was like watching a top model marathon it was weird I did not mm. expect to be so chill I didn't sleep at all because I you yeah. know I try I remember one point looking around the hospital where my mom's sleeping and Nick is sleeping and I'm just laying there like right down baby <laughs> yeah mm. but it was honestly it was an amazing experience and I uh, it was it was so primal in so many ways and I felt so proud of my I mean I still feel like such a badass mm-hmm. and you know whatever I've had I've had a few people give me the like you know when you've had Pitocin or something like I don't know if this qualifies I didn't take any you know painkillers but you know it's like not a natural birth I'm like whatever yeah, yeah. We, we don't believe in that we don't believe in that we don't ascribe yeah. right yeah we don't ascribe to right. natural birth as a well, term right, <laughs> yeah. because what's the opposite of natural birth like unnatural, unnatural birth? right like what does that even mean like right. yeah. well and also I'm like I did everything in my power to like move and wiggle and get this baby going and I just got to a point where my husband was sort of freaking out with the Pitocin he was he did not want Mm. me to do it and Mm -hmm. I just I like I remember I'm the one labor and I like sat him down and I was just like you need to trust me right now like I'm getting tired and this is this is what I need like if this is what's going to take to push me over the edge then and get this baby out then let's do that. Like yeah. I just, I had no fear in that moment of it. And mm-hmm. I just I remember I had kicked my doula out of the room. I was just sort of like, it was just me and him. And I just looked in the eyes. I was like, trust me. And it was great. Cause then on the same on the back end, when things really got into gear and I was, we were in the bathroom, I was in the shower and 
I got to the point where I was just like, holy Moses, this is insane. I don't know if I can do this anymore. And I'm super competitive and I'm super stubborn. <laughs> and so the fact that those words came out of my mm. mouth, Nick knew, I mean, he was like immediately, he's like, get the doctors in here. If she is saying this, she's going to have this baby. And I'm so forever grateful to him for knowing that about me and mm-hmm. understanding that, like being such a good partner because he really advocated for me. And because I hadn't been checked, you know, my water broken, I hadn't been checked at all. Yeah. And so at this point, they're like, well, I guess we should check her. And so they brought me over the bed. And basically, I remember my OB. It, it all gets a little hazy at this point. Yeah. And actually looking back, they while, while they were getting the team in place, they had the bed raised. And I was kind of like leaning on, on the bed. And I remember my legs just like shaking uncontrollably. And looking back and even in my head feeling like, I don't want my baby to like fall out and like splatter onto the floor. <laughs> like it was like feeling. Yeah. And, and it's funny because looking back, I'm like, oh, I think I was having the urge to push yes mm-hmm. and yeah. I just had no idea because no one had even looked at me I, no one realized that that's where you were at right no yeah, one had, and you have like a men- it's like I think you mentally prepare for that like permission to feel that way almost like okay right. if I'm complete then I will feel this way right. but most often when you you know you are unmedicated you have that feeling before anyone would ever know from right like and I remember any look- kind of data yeah you know? I remember looking at the clock it was like 6 a.m or something and I asked my doula at this point this is before they checked me I was like how how much how much longer do you think I have? Because I'm trying to steal myself for the long haul. I know mm-hmm. that labors are crazy long and I'm feeling insane. And so, mm-hmm. and she looked at the clock and she was like, you'll, I think you'll have this baby by 10. And so I'm like, all right, three hours. I can do this. Mm-hmm. And she was born at seven. So, you yeah. know, like it was, I remember my OB like looked at me, like checked me and she was like, if you got mad enough, you could put the, push this baby out right now. And I was like, whoa, okay, I got to change my entire mindset. Like, (laughs) that was the weirdest thing because I had been stealing for the long haul and I was so in my head and like breathing. And then for it to just be like, just kidding, push. That actually, that was the hardest part of my whole labor was figuring out how to sort of like change my, like the way I was dealing with things, if that makes sense. Yeah. 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 That's such a good line. We'll have to remember that. If you if you got mad enough right now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it was great. Yeah, I I will say you had, um, and you kind of, explain this in the way like I, I see this in how you even talk to your husband about Pitocin is you had an amazing experience with your OB and really liked her and yes. trusted her Yes, and so I think that that is really empowering in those situations too just because you know with your water breaking and not going into labor there are decisions to be made and there's yeah. pressure to have interventions too so it's important that like whomever is involved with that and it sounds like you had confidence in yourself and in your own intuition but then also confidence in her suggestion and yeah she was my OB actually ended up coming in on her day off to deliver mm, Marco. That's, nice. that's how like because my labor was so like she started with me and then I think probably went off went off and then since I was having my baby at a more reasonable hour than like three in the morning they texted her to let her know I was about to and so she came in which is awesome yeah 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 that, really yeah, that awesome. I was able to finish that. that that does not happen to a lot of people so yeah, yeah I, had a, I had a really positive hospital experience and I did hire a doula as well mm-hmm. and so I felt like it was great to have both especially for my first birth I was like you know I want to make sure I have both sides and mm-hmm. looking back it's funny it's like my husband's the one who knew me the best and advocated yeah. the best but I mean they all it was it was a great team and I have great things to say about all of them so I had yeah. a really had a really positive birth experience yeah I think you know we talk about this all the time on the show too but I think a really good doula is there to empower and support the partner in providing the best support yeah you know so yep. we hear that all the time like you know, the, the person in the room that was the most comforting or the most encouraging or the most, you know, good at like communicating with you or with your care provider or whoever ends up being the partner if they've really been kind of allowed into that role. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. 
That's and awesome. I will say um, the other thing is that we did not know if we were having a boy or girl. We yeah. didn't know the sex. And so that was definitely one of the more like that was such a magical moment in birth. And if anyone's ever considering doing it, I'm such a control freak and I'm an event planner for crying out loud. Like, <laughs> I like to know what I'm dealing with. Yeah. But it was my husband's idea not to find out. And I just thought, you know what? Since I had so many fears about motherhood, for me, it was like, I'm not going to have expectations of what you're going to be like. Like if you're a boy, you know, I, I just... I knew that after going through labor that no matter what, I would be excited to meet this little Mm -hmm. person Mm -hmm. and I wouldn't have like whatever because I have sisters and I had nieces at this point. And so all I knew was girls. And so the idea of having a boy like freaked me out for whatever reason. (laughs) That's funny. And then I had a girl. But um, but yeah, when, you know, pushing her out and it's like my husband like catches her and he's the one to tell me, you know, it's a girl and we're all crying and it was really magical. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost like not finding out was a practice of not of of letting go of releasing control that's a that, everything about having a baby is about releasing control i mean i yeah. couldn't plan my pregnancy i couldn't plan my labor yeah. and yeah and that was, it's been such an exercise in letting go and i know you guys have talked about that on the show before but it's incredible how how true that is because there's so much as much as we want to plan and try and control and like i said the event planner i mean of course i want to plan and control everything but then I had this little person and she's her own person and has been from the day she was born, you know, mm-hmm. and she's got her own plans and her own thoughts and opinions. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm just trying to roll with it. Yeah. So you take her home and transition into having a little baby. Yeah. What was that like for you? It was it was wonderful. I mean, it's. It all feels, it gets fuzzy so fast, but I like try to think back on those early days too. I remember taking her to a meeting when she was like five days old or something like that, (laughs) which is crazy, but it was a new client and, and none of the, the client, the company, they didn't have kids. And so I don't think they, they got it because they were just like ready to get started and they were excited. And I was like, I just had a baby. And so I think five days ago, (laughs) practically five minutes ago. Right. Yeah. And I was kind of like, okay, you know, and I'm feeling just sweaty and uncat, you know, just like, but I think, and I didn't know how it would go because I didn't know how baby, I didn't know how she'd be. She, you know, at that point, now looking back, I'm like, a newborn sleep all the time. You can bring him to 18,000 meetings. It's fine. Mm-hmm. But I left her downstairs with Nick and I went up and had the meeting. And even then, and the anxious, like, is he okay? Like, how's this going? And, you know, for like the 45 minutes. That was totally fine. And I had a, I have an assistant now and I, it was a different assistant then. And so I think my goal was for the first 30 days, like he handled most everything I was still answering some emails and but I didn't for the most part I didn't have like regular client meetings for mm-hmm. for 30 mm-hmm. days um that's a goal I tried to set for myself which I thought was pretty good and I, I did all right at it so mm-hmm. and you know the truth is especially in the early days I feel like you have a bit more downtime and in some ways d- doing social media management for a living when you're b- breastfeeding a tiny human all the time is not that difficult you know mm-hmm. like y- you we all can post an Instagram while breastfeeding or most of us. I don't know. Like it's not like, yeah, yeah. like, yeah, yeah. So I'm, I feel very fortunate that my career is one that enables me to, it's pretty easy to be a mom and do it. Yeah. I mean, easy is yeah, not easy the right is a horrible word. word That's but. a terrible word. <laughs> but I mean, you are, you are finding the space and ability to do it. Right. Yeah. 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 yeah that I, I really relate to, to that transition. Cause it was, it was similar for me with Aiden, my first, um, 
I, you know, went back to work right away. And I think that there were there were parts of that that were great for me and parts of it that were not great for me. And I don't think that I had the the intention around it that you are describing. And I think that at the end of the day, like in in my different experiences of postpartum transitions and now just being in this space with so many different mothers, what I really see and what I really value is just women being able to identify what their goals are and Mm -hmm. say, this is what this is what I want to accomplish, but then also really being able to course correct when needed. Like, hey, I thought I could go back to work in 30 days, but like I am nowhere near being ready to do that. Or I thought I wanted to take six months off, but I am like hankering to get back, you know, into at least some of my role with my with my work or whatever that looks mm-hmm. like. Yeah. And I think that just being able to acknowledge those changing needs, because I'm sure that in, you know, your daughter's two and a half now, right? Mm-hmm. I'm sure that you've felt things shift many times over the years where you're like, okay, now I can I can put more on my plate or I'm in a season right now where I kind of got to take something off my plate. Like, right. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I'm, I've got this weird mix of she goes to, she's in childcare part time. And so in some ways I feel like the, I have the best of both worlds. Like I still feel like a stay at home mom in some ways. Cause mm-hmm. we can go to like the zoo on a Wednesday, mm-hmm. which is awesome. But also, you know, gosh, like, you know, working through naps or after she goes to bed, I remember when she went from two naps down to one and I was like, Oh my gosh, how am I going to answer emails? You know, like yeah. that sort of, and now she's at the age where if you know I've got a crazy deadline and she's not at daycare that day, then some days I got to put on a cartoon to, you know, get a couple things done. I schedule conference calls mm-hmm. during naps. When she drops that nap, I'm going to be <laughs> so sad. But she goes three full days right now, which, and it's a really, it's a really nice mix. I could feel, mm-hmm. like I said, I, I get, I get a little bit of each. Like I get to, and I have to cram a lot of work into three days. Yeah. But, you find, you are really intentional with that time because exactly. it's precious. Yeah. And yeah. then I try to be intentional with my time with her as well mm-hmm. and not be so distracted. And that's the thing about social media is that, you know, I don't want to be on my phone all the time. And so trying to figure out ways where I can just put it away. And in some ways having an assistant is, you know, I've been fortunate enough to grow my business and I'm having someone else help me run some of the day to day of those things. I'm doing sort of like the bigger picture stuff and meeting with the clients and kind of figuring out what our messaging is. And mm-hmm. then I'm actually having someone else do a lot of the actual posting or Mm -hmm. we schedule a lot as well in a social media management software Mm. (laughs) it's fancy yeah we're learning about all these things on this endeavor yeah Yeah. and so for people listening to i think we have uh had another guest on who talked about being an entrepreneur and being a mom and i think that it's such a it's a gift when you can find that space and continue it but it's a burden too because you are relying on yourself to provide for your family yeah um in a way that's that can feel a lot of pressure in these transitions. So, and in some ways, working for yourself, like work, doesn't ever stop. Yes, and that's the thing that I think has been the mm-hmm. most difficult is that finding time to just carve out where it's us and when I'm not thinking about work. And and I don't want it any other way. This is what I want to do. I want to mm-hmm. work for myself, but figuring out those boundaries and figuring out what that looks like. And like I said, how do I be intentional when I'm working and be really focused on that? And then when I'm not be focused on my family mm-hmm. and you know, like I said, there's, I wish that there was a Facebook group that existed for like part-time freelance moms who run their own social media business. Well, you know, I don't know. Like it's like all of these things or it's With like one blonde daughter. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Please. Preferably a oh, crazy one. <laughs> Like you have to exist out there, right? Yeah. <laughs> what do you think was helpful for you when you kind of started to look into like look to your left, to your right and say like, I'm trying to do this 
other thing? Like, do you, did you feel like you did find something or someone that you could relate to or? I mean, I will say I found some comfort in, in a couple different Facebook groups. I'm not, big on mom Facebook groups, yeah. honestly. But there's a few, like there's a, a local in the Portland area working moms group. And that's how I found my current daycare, which is magical and amazing. And we are so fortunate because the daycare struggle is mm-hmm. real. Mm-hmm. And so that was great. And we had a lot of, my daughter wouldn't uh, take a bottle ever. Mm-hmm. So that was a big, I mean, being a working mom with a kid who won't take a bottle is like a big deal. Yeah. And I remember friends of mine who would say that before. I would just roll my eyes and be like, that's not a thing. Like, just you like force them. Right. You haven't tried hard enough or whatever. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I, I have a daughter that won't take a bottle. <laughs> yeah. It's a thing. It's yeah. a and in the end, you know what our solution ended up being? I mean, she was very part-time for the first however many, because she was young and I could, you know, just do stuff while she was sleeping. So she was only going like one or two half days a week when she was like three, four, five months old. And I started solids as soon as I possibly could. And then I got her to take a sippy cup of cold breast milk hmm. because I was so annoyed at throwing breast milk down the, you know, heating it up and her not taking it that yeah. I was like, forget it. I'm just giving you cold breast milk. And then she drank it. And I was like, you little crazy person. <laughs> <laughs> like, do you know how many heated bottles I've thrown right? away? Right. All I, I needed to do was just take it straight out of the fridge. <laughs> it was, I mean, you got to do what works, right? I mean, yes. I think she just didn't want to be tricked. She didn't want anything. She was like, this is this not. This is totally different. This is not a boob, guys. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that that's very true and and my daughter Etni who's six months right now she actually just took a bottle for the first time this week and I think it's I think it's very much that like if you're trying to convince them to like think it's a your boob. boob and like the same thing they're, they're like, not being are you kidding me <laughs> I I this is like one of the funniest images in my head but you know they say when you're trying to introduce a bottle like you know don't have the mom do it like that's just confusing so have your dad or the nanny or whoever do it and i like have seen pictures of dads on the internet like holding the bottle in their <laughs> yeah, armpit yeah. like pret- <laughs> as if it's like they're trying to pretend smooth it's like no you're making this harder for the baby like <laughs> if you put them in that position they're like where's the boob yeah exactly yeah. Uh, excuse me the boob is not here <laughs> it's definitely not here yeah oh that's hard though that's stressful because you feel tied yeah, yeah. Yeah. I would nurse her at daycare and then leave and then stress about it the whole time and then get there and like nurse her before we even went home. You know, yeah. it was yeah. just, it was a thing. But, Definitely. You know, it's in the past. We live, and that's the thing is like, you figure it out. I think that's the thing I've learned. I, I wanted all these plans. I wanted this map. I wanted some Facebook group that existed that could tell me how to be a feminist entrepreneur, social media manager, mom. You know, I wanted. I wanted that to exist and mm-hmm. it didn't. And of course there are other people out there like me. And I talked a lot to my friends and to my family and people have gone before me. And the thing I had to remember is that people have been having children for eons and they've all figured it out. They've come before me and in lives we couldn't even imagine. Right. right. Exactly. Yeah. With the, all kinds of different obstacles and arrangements and right. Yeah. And this is, and I'm good at problem solving and I will just figure it out. And it's funny. I'm in thinking about, having a second kid I'm at the same darn place you know like I don't know and I think about well childcare costs for two and well what if this isn't an easy pregnancy or Margot was a really good sleeper like we looked out on that one I'm like mm-hmm. you can't roll the dice twice on that you do not <laughs> you do not get two good sleepers that does not happen so you know am I willing to sacrifice my sleep you know we're at a routine now things are like pretty good like mm-hmm. we've got our schedule we know the day she's at daycare like I've got my life kind of working 
you know, mm-hmm. I mean, I still felt like I'm always slightly on the verge of like being underwater, <laughs> but you know, and, but at the same time, you know, I'm yeah. like, but I really loved having her and I loved having siblings and mm-hmm. she's at that age where I'm like, girlfriend, you need a sibling. <laughs> you, need, you need someone to tell you it's not about you. Yeah. You need some education, girl. <laughs> if, if you know, if you know my daughter, she, she, she does believe the world revolves around her. Yeah. yeah, she's she's adorable. I mean, I, I get that, but yeah, it's that's tricky. I have an eight year old and a six month old, and it, it you know they're they're going to like have each other in the grander sense, but in the sense of like growing up and like learning to share and all of those things, it's kind of you have two onlys. I kind of have two yeah. onlys, yeah. you know, and mm-hmm. even just this week we have you know other we have a family staying with us that have three kids that are all close in age and just like watching Aiden interact with them. Like it's so obvious that he just doesn't, he just doesn't quite know how to, <laughs> we were, were walking on this trail yesterday and he's like, Hey, so-and-so wait up. And, and the answer comes back. Why? He's like, cause I said so. I'm like, okay, <laughs> that's not the right answer. <laughs> Anyways, uh, <laughs> not to not to uh, frighten you about your current only yeah. childness. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I want to know, you mentioned that, you know, you have found motherhood to be very rewarding and you've come to this place of realizing not th- not that necessarily your fears were unwarranted, but that, you know, it has been this really rewarding, gratifying experience. When you were in those early postpartum days, did you did you kind of have that? you know did you turn that corner right away or or did you kind of have to go through that feeling of like oh gosh like this is um my life is completely different and what have I signed up for honestly it was it was sort of strange I'm I'm shocked at how well I took to motherhood and in Mm -hmm. fact I think people who know me well are my parents my mom was like I can't believe how chill of a mom that -hmm. you are because I can be uptight about things and there's something about her entrance into my life that just really, it changed me in a really good way. And like I said, for being a person who can be a bit of a control freak, I'm, I'm not much of a helicopter parent. I'm pretty, you know, like, of course, would I like her to eat organic? Do I freak out if she doesn't? Did she have sugar before she was one? Heck yes, she did. You know, like mm-hmm. there's just certain things where I thought I'd be uptight about stuff. And I was just so grateful once I met her and so overwhelmed with love that I just sort of just just started rolling with it. I don't know. It was, it was a very weird thing. I didn't, I didn't expect it, but I, I just really just, I just took to it like mm-hmm. a, like a, what is this? What the expression fish out of water? Yeah. You yeah. thought you were going to be a fish out of water. I don't know. Yeah. Forget about that expression. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just, we'll just pretend that never happened. No, but I think that that again, kind of like going back to what you said about some people have that from the very beginning, like when they're a kid, they have this, like I'm, they're the mother to all of their friends or mm-hmm. and then you know they kind of have this like resonance with that they always want kids and they always identify and so it's like they're longing for that identity as a mom yeah and so it can be more difficult to like visualize if that's not you and right. so then it's like well how do I keep being the me that I am and also be a mom yeah and it sounds like Margot made you just so- maybe soften parts of you that were not yeah. as soft yeah and and like I said, I, I was so fiercely independent for so long and I had worked in male dominated industries. And I think for so long, I just was, I'd proved to everyone, you know, how tough I was. And so having a kid was like, prove to me. Yeah. Yeah. Like you were really tough. You just mm-hmm. did a crazy thing. Mm-hmm. But then also it's just such a different, like I wasn't proving anything to anyone other than 
myself mm-hmm. and I felt really proud and like I said you just can't help but like love this this tiny person that came out of you and I also think I did a pretty good job at understanding myself and how social I am and like I made it a point to get out of my house every single day after I had her, whether it be a walk, whether it be my husband uh, manages a coffee shop. And so when he went back to work after a couple of weeks, we'd go, you know, get coffee. Um, a lot of my friends were stay at home moms. And so, you know, I could go meet up with them. It was just one of the, it was really important for me to put clothes on, to put a little bit of makeup on and get out of the house. Like mm-hmm. I said, even if it was just to go to the grocery store or on a walk, like mm-hmm. I knew I needed that. And I, I just, I set that, set that as a goal and I did it and it was really it was really helpful. And also, too, because I think I was really afraid that having a kid would, you know, that I kind of have to, like, hole up in my house and never see anybody again. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, you know, and some kids aren't adaptable and aren't good at being on the go. And I I get that I had a pretty adaptable kid. And, of course, like, there were nap schedules and there were, th- you know, like, mm-hmm. I was definitely more rigid about naps than I thought I was going to be. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, when you realize, like, oh, if my kid's well-rested, then they're going to be happy and they're going to be, like, more stoked if we're at a coffee shop or, you know, whatever. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I just – it was all about finding – balance right mm-hmm. and it was sort of like I remember making concessions like back when she used to like nap three times a day right to be like okay two of these naps can be at home one can be in a carrier or in a stroller or whatever like yeah. because I can't I can't be here all day and yeah. I knew that about myself and so that's just what we did yeah. yeah that's that brings so much freedom to to be able to parent that way like mm-hmm. it really it really opens the door to to allowing yourself to to kind of retain or activate these components of yourself that, you know, that are still a big part of who you are. Yeah. Yeah. That's been a big difference between, you know, my, my two different postpartum experiences. And, and for me, the key difference between them is just like anxiety levels. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Um, oh, and there's so much anxiety, you know, so much is new and breastfeeding in public. You know, I've had so many friends who don't go out a lot because they have a lot of anxiety about mm-hmm. doing that. And I get it. Breastfeeding is tricky and it's weird and it especially feels weird in public. And I just it was one of those things where I'm like, I'm just going to have to get over that real quick. Like mm-hmm. I, I like I said, I knew about myself that I'm social and I want to be out and about and I want to see people. And I knew that that was just going to be a thing we were going to have to figure if I had to be home every time she wanted to nurse it just wasn't you couldn't go anywhere yeah Yeah. and there were times I mean she went on weird nursing strikes and there was some like there was some stuff in there I remember being like in the observatory you know that restaurant Mm -hmm. and like she's like screaming and like breast milk's like spraying everywhere you know there are times I mean (laughs) like that's the thing about if you're gonna take your kids out and figure it you know Mm mm-hmm Oh, the the places I have changed like a blowout. She was like the blowout queen, and there, man, you figure out really quick where there are changing tables and where there aren't. That's that's a. Mm-hmm. Can we like make a can? Can every place have a changing table? Yeah, Seems like reasonable. if you allow minors have a changing table for crying out loud. <laughs> it's such a good good campaign. Right? <laughs> I just don't understand why it isn't a thing. Like, how much does it cost that restaurant? A hundred bucks once. Do you yeah. really want like my? the poopy diapers on your bar's bathroom floor i don't know like no you don't want that i don't want that nobody wants that yeah yeah and i like that perspective too i think you know we talk about listening to your intuition and it's like that was you knowing yourself knowing what you needed to do because i think you know for some people might be the exact opposite like i just want to be at home and i want to like have that and that will make me feel rested that will make me feel whole like having people come there or whatever that is and i think you know that is a way you set yourself up for success with your kid too. And also like it's reasonable to do that to to also show her like what your life is like. Yeah. And now she's used to that 
Yeah, totally. You know? She doesn't bat an eye at like eating out at a restaurant. Like she's. Yeah, and she, I'm sure there's times she still is like, I don't want to do what you're saying. Right, of course. Because she's two and a half. Because she's a toddler. <laughs> yeah. yeah, she doesn't always go along with the flow. And that's the thing is too, is that I have to, as much as I want to fit her into my life, mm-hmm. like I have to be cognizant of her needs and what she wants. And I think it's just, like I said, it's a matter of trying things and being willing to, if it doesn't work, then just pack it up and go home. You know, mm-hmm. like I think yeah. that I've I've had to realize that there are things that in my head sound way better than they actually are. You know, like yeah. there are times when I'm like, this is going to be awesome. We're all going to do this thing together. And you get there and it doesn't work. And she's freaking out or she's feeling shy or, you know, whatever mm-hmm. it is. And I just I need to pay attention to her in that moment. Be like, this is not this isn't working for her. So yeah. not not being afraid to to throw in the towel. Yeah, that's, I think, really, really good advice for anyone with young kids because you you feel it's like sunk cost. You're like, we drove across town or to the coast or whatever. Like, we are in this. We are going to do this. And you're going to like it, (laughs) you know, and they're just not going to like it sometimes. They're just not. And and it's you kind of have to be able to look at that sunk cost and say, like, it's, it's okay. Like, yes, we wasted half our morning getting here or planning this or packing the bag or making plans with plans with friends. And now I'm embarrassed. Now I'm, you know, like whatever else, but it's, this is the reality right now. Yeah. No one to cut your losses. Yeah, for sure. And the nice thing is I can say with an eight year old is that those times and, and, you know, I'm sure this isn't always true because it's still sometimes not true but you know in general like those times do get less and less and you can push your kids more and they do become you know more open to adaptable yeah more adaptable more open to new environments and and more able to be pushed more able to like be having a bad time at the coast and you say like actually we are still hanging out here and like that's fine if you want to like not play in the water but just like pout on the blanket yeah, go, go sulk in the shade or something yeah you can do that that's fine we're still gonna the rest of us are gonna have a good time and they yeah. usually come around in my experience but yeah yeah so do you have you know you kind of talk about like I love how you describe like when I'm working like I'm all in and when I'm with my daughter I'm all in and and I'm sure that there are days that are gray and feel a little blurry between those two things like there are for all of us um what do you do for yourself to to kind of, you know, maybe self-care is is a word that's kind of circling around in my head. But, you know, you, you use that description of feeling like you're kind of always on the verge of being a little bit underwater. What are the things that you do to kind of to maintain your own, um, you know, sanity, peace of mind, like to take care of yourself, knowing that you you've given you live all. in these worlds. Yeah. You yeah. live in these sort of dichotomous worlds. You're giving your all to both of them. How do you kind of like integrate your own self? Yeah. So I, after having her, I've become much better about exercise. Mm -hmm. And I mean, some of that is, you know, for fitness and, you know, losing the baby weight and all that jazz. But honestly, for it's mostly just for my mental health. And it's taking, you know, never realize how good an hour would feel you know, just to do what I want to do. And so I used to feel really guilty going to the gym while she's at daycare since she's not in daycare full. You know, I feel like those daycare hours are so precious Mm -hmm. and I've had a really hard time doing things for myself while she's at daycare. I feel really bad about it. And I just had to get over it and realize like I am a better person when I go to the gym. I feel better. And it's like an hour where I can't be working where I can, you know what I mean? Where I'm Mm -hmm. just doing Mm -hmm. this thing for me and you know, not as only good for my physical health, it's great for my mental health. Um, just trying to set boundaries too. Like I said, since my job is sort of never ending in some ways, it isn't, isn't, you know, I drove up to 
Trillium Lake with her yesterday and we just went and hung out. And I knew that that meant that I didn't have that nap time to answer emails and that meant I'd be working after she goes to bed. But I think it's those things as well, making those decisions like it's summertime in Oregon and it's a magical time and I'm not going to regret this decision. I'm not mm-hmm. going to regret yeah. just like getting out of Dodge for a few hours. And so trying to do things like that, trying to be spontaneous occasionally, it's hard to be spontaneous as a parent, but sometimes just go with like, you know what, like this is this is going to be an experience. And the other thing I have to do is since it is easy to get sucked into work after she goes to bed, I try to set at least one night a week where I can just like watch crap television and space out and not answer. Yeah. I don't answer emails. I mean, you know, if my husband and I are hanging out and I have like one night a week, that's my girl's night that we, we all cook dinner together, which is really great. But mm. if I'm, if I'm home and especially if my husband's out, I tend to just get sucked back into work. And so I try to set boundaries or at least like, okay, you can work yeah. till like, eight and like set a timer and make myself mm-hmm. walk away after that so yeah. that is key having those boundaries I yeah I totally relate to that too because for years and years I was the you know the midnight the midnight email responder which yep. just like exacerbates the problem because then people expect you to respond at midnight yeah. and now you like feel like you have to respond at midnight so yeah I heard I, I can't remember what all the things were but someone recently said like it's especially if you're a working parent it's sort of like you get a pick, you know, basically, do you have a clean house? Mm. Do you uh, have a social life? Do you get eight hours of sleep? And I can't remember what they but basically it's sort of like you don't get all of them all. And, and for me, there's certain things, especially working from home, I'm, I make myself often work outside of my home so I don't feel tempted to clean my house. Well, I'm like, this is not it doesn't matter if not everything is in the right place. As much as I want to have a clean house, there's times mm-hmm. I'm like, I'd rather have my sanity, you know? Like, mm-hmm. I have to work. I definitely want to spend time with my family. Sleeping is generally a good idea. So, you know, <laughs> like, those are the things I get to pick, you know? I yeah. get work, and I get sleep, and I get my family, and the cleanliness, you know? And, you know, people will give me the advice, well, like, hire a house cleaner. And I'm like, that's not advice for everybody. Like, that's a great idea. It feels a mm-hmm. little bougie at this point in my life. But, you know, like I said, or you might want that help in a different way. Like you might want that more with your business. But like if I'm going to pay someone, I'm going to have exactly. someone help me more in this way. Exactly. Yeah. No, totally. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, that's that's key. Just being able to say like, no, this is this is where I'm at. Like this is these are these are the pieces. I'm sure I'd like to have them all, but this is the reality. Right. Yeah. And being okay with that. It's hard to be okay with that. I don't want yeah. there to be dishes in my sink. But sometimes there just are. And I think like learning how to just like be at peace with that and Mm -hmm. know that like we're all human beings, right? We all have limitations. And as much as I would like to feel like I'm invincible, I'm not. Mm -hmm. And I have to take care of myself and I have to rest. And therapy is also awesome. I I, I see someone and I feel like everybody should. (laughs) It's awesome to have somebody to talk to. And yeah. 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 So if you had one piece of advice or if you would say something because we've you know said a couple times in here you felt like when you were becoming a mom there wasn't someone like you to say if you had a piece of advice for you someone like you becoming a mom what would it be I think that you don't have to lose yourself in motherhood I think that my advice would be that you can be you and you can be a mom and you don't you don't have to lose yourself in and I think that there was a former generation that gave themselves like fully to their children and I don't think that there's anything wrong with that per se but like you can't forget about you and I think Mm -hmm. I'm a better mom because I know who I am and what I need and I knew that going in and so we've I figured out a way like yeah to to be me and like I said I think she made me a 
a better version of me. I've grown up a lot. I've changed a lot, but I still, I don't feel like I lost myself. And I think that that is something that a lot of people who who might be afraid. I mean, I've talked with friends of mine who don't know if they want to have kids. And that's mm-hmm. the same thing. Like, they don't know if they can pull it off. And you don't have to if you don't have kids. That's so okay. Like, that's a choice that I think is so personal. Mm-hmm. And it's all right. But if you want to know that you can be you and that, like, you don't have to lose yourself. And you can be a good mom right. and not lose yourself. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, I think that that is such a good point to say out loud because I think what happens is it's not that people don't know that that's an option. It's that they think they won't be a good mom if they don't lose themselves. Right. It's so easy to like, you want to give all to your kids, right? You Mm want to give them everything you want. Like it, it just, it flows, it, it flows out of us. And, Mm -hmm. but at the same time, like, and it's, it is harder to step back and think like, but I also have to love myself. It's it's harder to step out. Mm-hmm. And I think it's really easy for people to just get lost in whatever, in the school and the practices and the lack of sleep or the you need a snack now or what, whatever it is. Like, I just think being able to step back and say, like, OK, I'm doing a good job. But also, like, what is it that I need? Like advocating mm-hmm. for your kid and advocating for yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it it's just the, the fear, like Laura said, like mm-hmm. we see it as an either or situation. Like we either like give everything to our kids and don't take care of ourselves at all or we take care of ourselves and then we're a bad mom like and right. it, it that's just not that's just not the actual equation you yeah. know we can we can be incredible you know mothers that sacrifice ourselves and give ourselves to our kids and do all those things and take care of ourselves right. and yeah. and you know remain who we are yeah i mean being a mother is it's a pretty selfless act in and of itself, you know, mm-hmm. like you, you like it or not, you sacrifice your body, you know, like that's it's it's hard. And so I think that like falling into that role feels easy. But like I said, taking mm-hmm. a step back and and figuring out how to be good to yourself, too. Yeah, mm-hmm. it looks a little different for everybody. And like I said, there is there isn't a map, at least not that I've found. But, you know, trust trust your gut. Go with it. It's great. Well, thanks so much for sharing your story, Lindsay. We just, yeah, we love hearing it. I think you're, I think you've used more euphemisms than anyone on the show has ever done. (laughs) (laughs) It's good though. That's great. It's it's great content. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) I'll take that record. Yeah, and if if you're willing to, um, we'll be sharing in the show notes. uh, And in addition to being a social media manager, event planner, uh, Lindsay's also an amazing cook and has a great website with her own recipes and things that she's doing yeah um it's true you can look at my instagram for lots of photos of food and yes. occasional photos of said cute child yes mm-hmm. and so we'll put links on there so you guys can kind of take a peek at margo the wild and also um, all the great things Lindsay has going on cool thanks for having me yeah thanks for being here thanks for listening to mother birth today if you want to be a bigger part of our community you can follow us on instagram at motherbirth.co or connect with us on facebook where we have all kinds of behind the scenes stuff going on also, don't forget to subscribe to the show and rate us in iTunes, which allows other people to find us and helps the show to grow. I think it goes without saying, but Mother Breast is a personal podcast created by Lara Melissa. It's intended as general information. It doesn't constitute or substitute medical advice of any kind. You should always consult with your primary care provider with respect to your medical care. If you're pregnant, planning on becoming pregnant, or in the postpartum period. <laughs>